What's happening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Reef Bum. I'm your host, Keith Perkelhammer. So, on today's live stream, I welcome back Moki Chow, also known as the Inappropriate Reefer. What's happening there, Moki? How's it going, Keith? Thank you for uh, the invite back. It's an honor. I have been following the journey of this podcast. You have some fantastic guests. I'm here to bring down the reefing IQ. No, no, don't you <laughs> kidding me, man? I'll let you keep it real, dude. So it's uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Thank yeah. You. Um, so if if folks don't know Moki, he's a uh, he's a hobbyist, but he also has a very large following on Instagram and and YouTube. How many uh, how many Instagram followers you got right now, dude? I think maybe 50k. You sure it's not more than that? Might be more than that. I, maybe slightly yeah. more. And YouTube, there. big audience as well, right? Around 60, yeah. I think. Or well 70. done, dude. Well done. So oh, uh, before you. we get into the conversation here with Moke, I just want to thank the uh, sponsors for the show, both Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. Really appreciate them supporting the live stream. And I also appreciate all you folks out there that uh, have been tuning in and are tuning in tonight. I see there's a lot of folks in the chat. So as per usual, um, would encourage you to ask questions, comments, in the chat we'll do our best to get to everything and um yeah see there's a whole bunch of uh folks out there familiar uh screen names and people so i thank everybody for uh for joining so what's what's going on man what um i know following your youtube channel and your instagram there's been kind of uh some ups and downs with the uh the tanks so much has happened um my life priority kind of changed right now i have two kids the older one is three and a half. The younger one is seven months. And it just, it's just been crazy. Um, in terms of Reef Tank, there has been ups and downs. I thought this podcast with you, Reef, uh, Keith, is kind of like my triumphant return. Because like the last one, I was like, I'm starting an SPS. I don't know how it's going to go. I'm going to try all these high-tech gear. And up to maybe three months ago, everything was really great. SPS took off. And I was trading, selling frag locally. And we can get on to that. But um, last month, during a vacation, something happened, and I most of my SPS got wiped out. But thankfully, uh, thankfully everything's kind of recovered, everything colored back on, whatever stuck around started growing again at a really good nice. pace. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, I saw the video that you put out. Could, could you, can you kind of take people through what uh, exactly happened if they don't know what uh, what happened to you? What do you think? What the cause yeah, was? Of course, of course. Um, so quick background on my 145 gallon tank, I have three Radeon XL30, uh, gen five pros, right. And also on the sides on uh, front and back end, I have the AliExpress light bar, which fantastic, light, great value. Honestly, I don't think any led light bar can beat it in terms of values. So I have that set up for about two years. Things are going well. And you know, the saying about when things are going well, yeah, don't mess with it, man. What'd you do? Oh, man, I mess with it because I got the bug of like, oh, maybe if I do something, it'll get even better. Maybe it, just chasing that little bit. It always happens. So here's where AI, fantastic company, by the way, Ecotech and AI, same company now, basically, uh, approached me and said, hey, we got these new lights, AI Blade that's coming out. I was like, AI Blade? What do you mean? <laughs> At first, I wasn't too interested because things are going yeah. well. And I'm like, uh but the more I hear about it, the more interested I am, especially with the form factor being strip yeah. lights. 
and um, you know, right now, strip lights, uh, panel lighting is kind of like all the rage. I'm like, okay, I'm curious. Tell me a little bit more. And I was really, really cautious, especially with all these blowback in terms of like uh, content creators getting, say, free free gears, and they may not be honest in terms of their yeah. experience. I'm really, really careful. Number one, I've worked with them before, Ecotech company things may be a little bit pricey compared to other competitors out there but in terms of quality usually is good and also it intrigues me the ai blade i swear this is not a commercial they have like different lines they have like the glow and the grow etc so i was like all right you know what let me try it out i will swap out the uh, aliexpress light bar and we'll try it out so the light fixture itself uh really beautifully constructed um and plug it in the color rendition is fantastic it got a nice white backing it's a little bit wider yeah. than the aliexpress light body i have the spectrum is also a little bit different in the app i see i think it's like royal blue purple uv right um and the aliexpress bar the spectrum is a little bit more narrow i believe it's 42440 alternating i'm not 100 yeah. sure if jim is in the chat he'll correct me <clears throat> so i didn't think too much about it i have a power meter i have experience quote unquote experience i say okay here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna swap the light bar in i'm gonna i used the power meter to take the reading before and after i'll make sure the power of the new lights is going to be maybe like 10 or 20 percent lower yeah. than what i had before so i set it up everything seems okay uh the the light again i love the way they renders coral and again there's not design that i just I yeah think you're digging the lights fixture. i like the lights it is expensive but yes um now, a couple weeks later, things started to change. Uh, some of the corals seems a little bit more paler, uh, especially my favorite cord, Goldenrod and the Kapora. And for those of you who don't know, it is a SPS. That is like a nice solid golden color. And in some of my previous video and photos, it's like a big cluster right in the middle of the, uh, the tank. It's probably like about this size, almost like a soccer ball size. And I was really happy with it. I pull frag from it regularly. So this is about mid-February and I was due to go to Japan for 10 days uh, with my family finally right pandemic yeah. is over and about a week or two right before that I started noticing the golden rod starting getting more and more pale right the color started fading I'm like oh, what's going on that's so this, weird everything this else is after okay. like two weeks of having the new lights going roughly yeah. two weeks roughly two weeks and before that Honestly, I don't think I changed anything because I'm just too busy. The only thing I did was just kind of pull frags as they start touching each other. And here's the here's the dilemma. At this point, I think like, uh-oh, something's going on. And if I have to guess, maybe it's the light. Maybe it's too much light or something. Uh, the light changes even even though I dial back the par value or in PB, is it PBFD or whatever unit it is. Even though I dial back, maybe it's still too much. That's why it's doing this. It's stressed out. What should I do? Should I just cut the light back or should I do a big water change? Should I just rehome this whole colony mm. somewhere else? And keep in mind, this is like right before a big trip. Yeah. How, how many, how many days before the trip now? Two weeks out, I started noticing a little bit of change, but I'm kind of like, okay, maybe something else is a nutrient. I started looking at different places. I didn't so, want to make any right. drastic change. So you notice the uh, two weeks after the switch of the lights and the big trip is two weeks um, after that, after you first noticed. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Now, the day before the trip, that's when things really oh, start hitting the fan. I noticed <laughs> it was pale. It's almost white. It's just like a tiny hint. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's so gradual I didn't notice. But it's like right before the trip, it's like, all right, let's take one final look. I'll do a video. Usually I do a video right before the trip, yeah. right? Just to kind of do a snapshot. I, do, I was like, dude, this is not right. This is so pale. What's going on? And I started noticing some of the other corals started paling out a little bit. 
uh, namely the Manipura cap. And usually when that pales, for me, it's either alkalinity swing, which I did not have any, or something else going on. So I was like, and at this point, this is like the day before the trip. Normally, if I have the time, I'll probably cut the lightweight back, yeah. do a big water change to rule anything yeah. out, but I don't want to rock the yeah. boat. So I'm like, it just is what it is. Course. We're just going to ride it out. Um, I didn't even set up a webcam to look at uh, look at the tank. I don't want to see it. <laughs> you you kind of knew what was going to be happening. I can't do anything about it. Yeah. So 10 day pass. I came back. Uh, golden rot, gone. All bleached out. Some of the other corals, um, slime ball, half of it is like kind of bleached out. I have uh, lemon, uh, pink lemonades. It was growing, really started taking off, bleached. Um, Malnefescence, bleached. Uh, goth bonsai, halfway up, gone. A lot yeah, of, just, not good, lot man, of not good. Yeah. So at that point, I'm like, okay, I was jet lag. I'm like, still got to do water change. So in the span of um, five days, I did two water change. Uh, and I sent out ICP test. ICP, ICP test, I'll just jump forward a little bit, came back clean, nothing out of ordinary. Uh, so the best guess I have is the um, the light, even though I, I since saw the um, your podcast with uh, yeah. Tulio, we'll talk about even though the uh, power level matches, but the spectrum may be yeah. different. And in my mind, on top of that, I feel like the AI blade, a lot of people talk about how good the spread is. Maybe it's uh, just hitting core in a different spot that it's not used to. <laughs> so it probably took out the golden uh, golden rod first, and then from there it's kind of like a spiraling effect. I noticed the alkalinity jumped up. I normally try to keep it at about seven point five to eight. It jumped to about ten. Wow! Yeah, I immediately yeah, that makes slowly sense. stepping back. Right, and that's something that I should know, but I did not think about. And I was in Japan, so I'm like. Ugh. And the other thing that I actually did not notice is that nutrients, the um, phosphate, usually it's at 0.15. It jumps to point, almost 0.4.5 at that point. I think it's 0.45. Yeah, ouch. Yeah. Um, nitrate, I didn't even bother checking. I know it's going to be off the, um, just off the chart. So from there, um, it's kind of like a reminder of how much that, even though, okay, you know these things are supposed to happen, but... Do you have the experience to actually check it and to act on it? It's just a whole thing. So, all right, a number of things. First, let me thank Mike uh, Lemming yeah. for the uh, super chat. Thank you very much, Mike. The comments, love the stream. Keep keep up the good work. Hey, inappropriate exclamation point. <laughs> um, telegrams in the uh, in the uh, house there. Uh, oh, <laughs> a purple monster would be a nice rebuild. Moki's acro supply core. <laughs> I just, I just posted, <laughs> I just posted my colony of purple monster on Instagram, and it's like, uh, and after I posted, it, I was like, please don't ask me for frags, because I because that. uh, that's all that happens whenever I post something like, oh, uh, you know, if you got the list, can you, can you put me on a list or something like that? I'm like, yeah, what's the what's the wait list? There is no wait list. It's just like I, I oh, it's man. crazy, but um, it's funny. <laughs> um, so. John Wright, maybe too much lighting instead of uh, keeping water stable. Uh, maybe too much on lighting instead of keeping water stable. So the, the question um, I have for you, uh, Moki, and, and uh, sorry if I missed this, but um, when you did the uh, the comparisons in terms of the par, so your main lights, you didn't change out. You just basically just changed Not out much. your um, LED strip lights, right? That right. is correct. The Radeon lights program, everything stayed the same. I basically took out the front and back light strip and just slapped the AI blades on. And then I par match and then dial back. Man, 
so that the actual power reading is down. So what do you what do you think that was, man? Because that I mean, you're scaring the shit out of me because you're, <sighs> um, you know, you're you're gonna do me a solid. I'm gonna return the favor when you're ready for some frags, but you're gonna send me your power meter because I'm switching out the halides in my 187 gallon tank for uh, the uh, the GHL Mitras. And, uh, you know, I'm going to, I need a par meter and you're so very kind. Thanks to telegram for connecting you and I on the, uh, on the par meter thing. I had no idea you had a par meter, but, um, yeah, so I, um, you know, I'm a little nervous because it, um, it's something where I want to make sure I know that the, uh, the meters are going to be a lot more par. So I'm going to have to definitely dial it down, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to be par matching myself and probably going like 20% below, but, um, what makes you think that um, it was the lights, given that you did par match and went a little bit lower? Well, Keith, um, the reason I thought it's a light is because, number one, um, I have two, well, one big colony of the goldenrod and the corpora in the front, and I have another one all the way in the back in the yeah. shade. That one was okay, completely mm -hmm. fine. And all the coral that started dying is like right in that cluster right under wow. the light. So that's kind of like yeah. first. And I think the other SPS, the uh, may not be as much light shocked as more the alkalinity spike and the nutrient spike. I think it is the anacopora because they probably cannot handle as high light as quickly. That probably went first and then it caused instability in the system, whether it's bacteria, whether it's a high nutrient, whether it's a less alkalinity up uh, uptake. I think that causes the second die off, which is the rest of the SPS. Right. And, and so do you think it was the spectrum in terms of the difference in the spectrum of the strip lights that you swapped out? I, I cannot yeah. honestly tell you. If I have to guess, that may be it because the um, Express AliExpress light, it's uh, pretty narrow in terms of spectrum. The AI blade, I know they have a chart out. I have not really studied it, but it feels like it covers a broader range. Yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting because the um, the program I'm going to be using, which which uh, Jim created for me uh, a few years ago for my Peninsula tank for the Mitras, it's a, uh, it's a spectrum. I, I'm going to say the word mimic, and I know if Tulio is probably not watching, but uh, he uh, he he corrected me last week when we talked. You know, that, you know, I said I, I said, and I have been saying that the um, the Mitra's um, program in terms of spectrum is is mimics the 400 watt 20k halide bulbs. But uh, as Tulio correctly pointed out, you cannot mimic that exactly. So I, I should say that it's a uh, it's at a close approximation in terms of the spectrum. So I think that's that's a good thing. At least I'll be able to kind of uh, you know I'm 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 playing around with my main lighting source here, so I will be able to um, you know dial that spectrum in, and um, you know so perhaps I'll be I'll be fine. But yeah, it just kind of makes me a little bit nervous. But dude, like everybody, this this stuff happens to everybody, you know, in terms of a tank crash or losing some corals and what have you. What um, so besides large water changes, did you? Um, did you try to do anything in terms of, I can't recall in the video, did, did you do an aquabiomics yes. test and all that stuff? I did. So aquabiomics test, I did it before. I think it's at the end of last year. I actually sent one in. It took a while to yeah. come back. My tank diversity is super excellent. I think the point was like 400 some points. But I also have a bunch of like different like pathogen and stuff, of course. When I saw the score, I was like, okay, you get all the good stuff and best stuff, mm -hmm. I'm sure. But that really didn't, I feel like that didn't really play a factor for a long time. Because the tank was doing excellent until I have instability comes in. Then that's, that's when everything kind of hit the fan. Um, in terms of stopping the second die-offs, uh, actually, uh, Jim, I think he may be in the chat, he mentioned that he experienced something similar before and he, he heard people using antibiotics in the tank, which I have been just 
try my best to avoid simply because of like all the things I heard about not using antibiotic um, just in case they build up uh, like tolerance down the road just for human population. But at this point, I'm just like, okay, you know what? I may just lose whole tank or things are going real serious. Let's just go ahead and try it out. It's kind of like a Hail Mary. So I did three doses of Cipro. Um, I forgot the exact dosage, but it's one of the uh, Jim and Lynn probably have it. But I, I did Cipro in the tank, and literally, I think the second day, it just stopped. The die-off stopped, so it worked. So whatever it was, um, maybe it's coincident, maybe not. But at this point, I've, I'm leaning more towards that. Okay, something with the antibiotic stopped it, so it could be bacterial. I'm showing the video you sent me, Moki, of the um, of the tank right here, and it's looking sure. uh, it's looking nice, dude. You know, nice nice rebound. So this is yeah. So this one yesterday, it took about it's been about a month. So they did recover really quickly once I gave them the proper condition. Um, granted, like I mentioned, I did use the uh, antibiotic to kind of stop the die-offs. Of the SPS. During this whole time, the LPS and softies were not really affected. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. And the fish are all totally okay. Right. Yep. Um, so you were able to save a good chunk of that golden rod. Yeah, well, it actually grew a little bit, which I'm happy nice. to report. Uh, that, the chunk that died was about three or four times that. Oh, wow. Yeah, in that bare spot. But, you know, the thing that actually hurt me the most was actually, um, well, besides goldenrod, the second one would be the gafansai. The gafansai sat in my tank for about a year and a half doing nothing. And then about nine months ago, it just started sprouting. It pulled a little bit, started sprouting up, and started going really, really well. Shoot straight up. Because um, with that, I felt like I finally understood. Because I was talking to Richard a long time ago. Richard Beck, he, we were talking about like coral placement. He was like, yeah, just let the golden rod grow. You can just chop it off and just let the golf bonsai shoot straight up. At that time, I didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> but now after seeing the golf bonsai, the growth formation, I was like, oh, that's what it is talking about. And I felt like that's kind of like one foot into the SPS keepers club. But that had been ripped away. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, you know, it's good. It's it's uh, when I had my issue with the um um, you know, the coral pathogens in my peninsula tank, you know, I was getting some colonies that, that had some, uh, STN. I had one colony that RTN on me, but uh, I had several colonies that, um, were STNing and it's tough, right? I mean, well, so I'm watching this, this happen, you know, over like a couple of month period. You're, you're like mm. in Japan, <laughs> you know, like knowing what's going, the, you know, all the, the, uh, the bad stuff that's going on. But, you know, so this was kind of like something that I was watching, um, for a while. And I, I, you know, I have some theories in terms of why the, uh, the STN was happening, but, uh, that's neither here nor there. So, you know, what, what happens is like, you see like all of a sudden a little, um, STN, like in the middle of a colony, or you see like part of the base starting to, uh, STN, you're like, all right, let's just hold out hope that this thing will, uh, will tomorrow it'll stop receding and, and things will turn around and, and it'll be fine. You know, I do like some large water changes and, and what have you. And, and, Try to nip it in the bud, but you know what? In my experience, in all these years with SPS, once you start seeing a little spot of, um, you know, STN, a little bleaching of the coral branch or something, you got to like act on it. You know, you can't, you can't just, you know. And so the the whole thing is like you got this big beautiful colony, right? And you don't want to like take this big beautiful colony and start hacking it up to try to save pieces. But that's really what you got to do. In in my opinion, maybe others have different uh, experiences than, than myself, but. Yeah, I mean, in my peninsula tank, I um, I waited too long for um, for a few of the colonies to pull them and start hacking them up, but I did save every coral 
in that um, tank that was impacted by the STN. So, you know, kudos to you for being able to uh, salvage the pieces. But I, I, I do have a Garf uh, bonsai that I am growing out. So, you know, perhaps oh. I could uh, hook you up once it's uh, ready to be fragged. Excellent. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's tough though, man. It's like you, these are like your little pets, you know. Yeah, it's weird. Like um, before going to SPS, I was like, oh, okay, SPS, great, great. But like once I start seeing them grow and see the coloration and uh, especially the growth formation, that's something I'm really into. It's it's different. It's different, but I'm I get it. I get why people love them. So I'm seeing in the um, in the um, chat here, Moki, that we have got some conversation going on about the uh, par meters and what have you. Um, I see Paul Greatbeard Reef, Mike Lemling, the club has a four Apogee MQ510 for borrowing. So that's the uh, Boston Reefers um, Society. I guess that's the uh, the par meter that uh, that club has. What uh, what par meter do you have, uh, Mogi? That's the same one I got to. The same one. Yep. So I can definitely send it over. And if you have buddies that need it, just keep it there for a little bit. I'm not I'm not switching my life for a little bit. I'm in the middle of nowhere, dude. There's like nobody near me. So. Okay. Well, maybe they're just like reefers in the wild <laughs> that you don't know about <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah there's a whole bunch of different uh options i guess for uh for parameters it's um you know it's something that i've I've only rented one in the past from uh from bulk reef supply when i started you know my peninsula tank but you know it's a good idea i think in terms of just being able to have a baseline yeah, there's um there's a new product coming out that I'm kind of curious about. I think it's called Powerwise. It gives you the par as well as the spectrum. I feel like that oh. would be helpful. I don't know much about it. I just remember seeing it recently, and I would love to learn more about it too. So, dude, let's uh let's take a look at your um your softy tank because this thing sure. just kind of blows my mind, and um it's it's a beautiful uh got man the mangrove is like going nuts. I got lucky. Uh, at one point, it was it was dying. I didn't know what's going on, uh, but thankfully, a lot of people gave uh, sound advice, and I ended up putting in root tap. Um, end up dosing a little bit of iron, but I think it's root tap that kind of saved it. It's probably running out of nutrients, even though I dose liquid fertilizer into this tank uh -huh. directly. Oh, really? Yeah, I just use some. Um, well, in the back of my mind, I was like softies. They can probably handle it, and uh, I use Thrive Plus from my plant tank days and i got some chato grow as well chato grow should be safe but fry plus that i'm not sure about simply because it's for like freshwater plant tank but i went ahead and squirt them in so far it doesn't seem to bother anything um but at some point i think it's still not enough for the mangrove so i just start inserting root taps and root tabs is those little almost look like little pills with like fertilizer okay. pellets just jam them in the sand but again this is just me uh going off a couple of comments because I'm not sure what's in the in the root tab itself. So if you have a more delicate system with more sensitive creatures, may not be a good idea. But for my softy tanks, definitely working out. What so what kind of light do you have over the mangrove? I actually have a uh, Ecotech Radeon G4 Pro. Oh really? That I have, yeah, I have on. The show. Oh sorry, on the, over, over the mangrove. The mangrove so, yeah. Okay, all over the mangrove is a Spider Farmer grow lights. I think it's like hundred fifty dollars or so okay. off of Amazon. So any um, plants grow like would do. One thing I would say that is that if I ever do uh, mangrove in a reef tank, I would definitely give it its own dedicated light. Yeah, that seems to make a lot of sense. I mean, um, unless you're getting some natural like sunlight coming through the room, which can cause right. problems. But dude, man, that uh, those clownfish—do they have enough like uh, water in that tank? It looks like it's. 
<laughs> that's one of my worries. And I think somebody recently commented, it's like, oh, clownfish have no place to swim. So the clownfish originally came from the 135. And I noticed in the 135 gallon tank, they just kind of stick to one small area, which happened to be my hammer corals. And they are kind of just loving the hammer corals to death. Um, I was losing heads. So at that point, I was like, okay, you know what? The uh, mango tank is pretty empty. You got soft corals. Let's see if the clownfish would jam with these uh, soft corals, especially the finger leather. It looks kind of like an enemies. So I put them in, and they love it. They just, for the most most of the time, just kind of stick near the uh, leather coral, just swim among the tentacles. It's only when I'm right in front of the tank, they know food is coming. They'll come right in front of the toadstool. That's where I usually feed them, and they'll just pretty much almost like swim halfway out of the water, <laughs> just waiting for the food to come in. Uh, but so far, I think they're okay. If at some point I feel like they're running out of room, I will definitely pick them back into the 135 uh, because I feel like right now the hammer coral, they've grown to a size where it can probably withstand the loving from the clownfish. So it should be okay. Right, so they were, they were originally in the 135, right? Right. And that's ironically the whole reason I wanted to upgrade my 45-gallon cube tank. I was like, oh, the 45-gallon cube, I want to give my clownfish a bigger space to swim. Little did I know, once they go in a big tank, they just stick at that one corner as well. Oh, is that why you got rid of them? Because they were just kind of um, in a corner, not too visible? Is that? Uh... Well, they, they, they are visible, except they are just going in and out of the hammer, and the hammer is just suffering. They feel oh, got in suffering. Interesting. Well, not euphilia anymore. But... Are you, uh, you going to put some more clownfish in the uh, 135? No, that's it. No, really? Um, hmm. Unless I come across a beautiful pair of white margins. Uh, I remember back in Hong Kong, the fish street, there's this pair of clownfish that I saw twice. I went back to visit, I think like uh, after one year. So uh, both times I went visit, I saw this beautiful pair of white margin clownfish. It looks almost like a clicky clown, except the the fins are more flowy how do you, and the color is more striking. How do you spell that? I've never heard of that. Just white margin, W-H-I-T-E. M A R G I N. M A R G I N. White margin clownfish. I have never. Yeah, I think. I think it's a type of lat. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see what you're talking about. From Mardi Gras. Yeah. Cool. Beautiful. Yeah. I saw them in person. I'm like, these are gorgeous. I would make an exception for those. Are they? Um, are they pretty? You know, um, 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 tame and versus with, with other fish, are they well behaved? Because I know some clowns can be really aggressive with other fish. These ones, I don't know. Huh. Yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I love clownfish myself. I mean, I have the same um, kind that you have. You, I think yours is, is, is a nicer uh, pair, the, uh, the Mocha, Mocha Vinci. Uh, Mocha Vinci, Yeah, yeah, yes. I have a pair of Mocha Vinci. My, my original plan was to have two sets of clownfish in my 225-gallon peninsula tank. That was like my, you know, I, my plan was to have, and I, and, I, and I did have two pairs of clownfish, but um, I had a, um, I have a pair of Mocha Storm, I've got a um, no. Um, I've got one mocha storm and I've got one orange storm. So they paired up, which is really cool. And then I I had a um, what did I have? Did I have another pair of uh, mocha vinci? Uh, I can't recall. But uh, really weird because I never lose clownfish, but I lost those uh, those two clownfish, which mm. was a real bummer. But I have another pair of um, mocha vinci in in one of my uh, frag tanks, and. Um, I was going to move them into the peninsula tank, but I'm like, uh, you know, the, the, the other pair of clownfish have been in there for a long time. They're established. They don't really like, they kind of like hang out in, 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 in one side of the tank during the day, but then at night they're sleeping on the other side. So I'm like, sounds hmm. like, you know, seems to me like they're pretty much got the whole tank covered, yeah. which is not, you know, you would think in a 225 gallon tank, you could, you could pull it off. And, it, and I, I was right. pulling it off, but 
I don't know. It's just uh, no sense risking it, right? No, no sense uh, risking it. So yeah, I um, I do love clownfish, though. I think um, every uh, tank, I have a um, I got a pair of um, I can't recall the uh, the name of their. They're really uh, really neat um, um, pair in my other uh, display tank. So it's um, and they, and they haven't spawned though in a while. They they were spawning, but now they haven't been spawning, which is kind of odd behavior, I think. I've been waiting for mine to spawn. I mean, these guys are how old are they? Close to close to seven or eight years, I think, and they have not spawned yet. So that's that's also why I want to move them up to the smaller tank. To think, thinking maybe like too many activities in the big tank or in the cube tank, maybe just by themselves here, they will spawn. I don't know. They're doing their dance. They're doing this little shaky dance ah, after so getting, long. You know, so maybe, maybe something, they, maybe something's they, they going on. They could be, uh, you know, getting into the groove. A um, couple of uh, comments here. Um, Doghouse Reaver Cipro has saved me a lot of money. It's great for emergencies. Um, Chris, ACI, what's happening there, Chris? Um, don't get lats clowns unless they are TR. TR. Is it tank raised? Tank raised. Hey, you you know the lingo more than I do, Moki. I, I wonder. I'm curious why. Is it just hardiness, or is it legality, or? I, I I'll, yeah, ask him, I'll ask him later. Maybe he'll drop a uh, explanation in the chat. Monster Yoon, uh, what are you guys willing to pay the highest for acros? <laughs> what's your limit there? What's what what's the highest you would oh. pay for an acro? Uh, at the moment, I think I think like. 200 maybe simply because i'm not confident that i can keep it alive <laughs> my tank is a little bit uh, unique in the case where the nutrients is high so what are, what are your and what are you currently like at in nutrient was typically 0.15 phosphate nitrates 20 or 25 that's um, high usually yeah it's high uh usually the when sps enter my tank they turn brown or the color just turn green or something it usually takes about a couple months for the color back have, up. have you tried some tester frags since the uh the incident uh, let me think. I have not, not SPS, but I have added LPS and softies. What, um, no problematic algae, right? Your, uh, your tank is fine. No, no, like cyan or anything or sometimes. They're a pest, but not, not algae. Cyano, algae, none of those. Those are okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, you know, a lot of tanks you can keep, uh, you know, a lot of tanks you have high nutrients and all that stuff. And if you don't have any problematic algae, like any cyano yeah. or, or any like hair algae and then, I, you know, I usually just think that um, you know certain certain uh, uh, reef tanks can uh, can handle high nu nutrients. Yeah, it's just like the new coral come in; they may get, they, they may be in for a shot. Like, <laughs> oh, what is this place? My goodness. <laughs> uh, reef keeper, my highest cost acro was a home wrecker from Reef Bum. <laughs> it's doing great and it was a great price compared to many other online. Well, thank you, Reef Keeper. <laughs> um, yeah, what's my limit in terms of paying for um, for an acro? I, uh, you know, hmm. I might have gone up to um, I might have gotten up to four hundred for something. Um, it's a lot of money. It's a it's a lot of money. You know, you gotta like, I, you know, I, I think my advice to people out there is, um, you know, spend what you're comfortable with. But you know, if it, unless you have a very um, mature system and you've had success with the acros then uh there's a lot of great corals out there that you get for a very very reasonable uh price like milka stylo is probably one of the most oh, yeah. gorgeous corals out there and um you know stylophores in general are a lot more forgiving i think but you know you can get you know you can get frags for like um 20 30 bucks 
you know, from from um, people like um, you know locally, I'm sure. And uh, you know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of I mean, there's a lot of classic corals too, SPS corals that used to cost an arm and a leg that are now uh, you know fifty bucks, sixty bucks. Right. Yeah, and I think like um, buying locally has been uh, a great way for me to find like more affordable corals as well. Just even the same corals, just locally, and. I mean, I think promoting this is okay too because it's not really taking business away from um, actual st online store or stores, right? Because just like a hobbyist, how many how many frags can they produce? So I feel like it's okay. Yeah, yeah. And so you're part of the the, the local DC uh, reefing club, right? Yeah, Wamas. Wamas. Great club. Great people. How um have you guys started um, back with in person uh, meetings, or are you still doing the Zoom thing? I think we have done two, which I have missed, unfortunately. Uh, the next one, I believe, is uh, the next one is, is next month, actually. And Mark Levinson is actually coming to oh, speak, cool. which is great. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen him in so long. Yeah, yeah. I, I met Mark at um, the uh, Magna in uh, Milwaukee. Great, uh, great guy. Enjoyed um, meeting him. Yeah, you know, local reef clubs are so important. The, uh, the moderator, Paul, is um, the uh, president of Boston uh, Reefer Society. And yeah, just uh, I went to their uh, frag swap last um, November, and it's just really good to get back into it and just uh, see people, you know, after COVID and all that stuff, and that all, all the um, the conferences and the reef club stuff was was on hold. It was really nice to kind of see people again in person. Absolutely, and as well for uh, uh, I think I speak for a lot of content creator. We're so glad that. We can go out and visit other reefers, go to events, and just kind of film and chat and swap uh, and just do all those. We missed that. We missed that for the last three so, years. So, dude, you've been kind of busy, right? You've been uh, – talk, talk to us about where you've been. I've seen some uh, pretty uh, incredible uh, – local Andrew Sandler's reef. What was that like? Oh, man. Um, Mind-blowing. <laughs> Except I made the mistake of bringing the kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, really? <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Um, so, to Mr. Sanders' credits and Rashid, they're super patient, super kind, right? They're like, yeah, kids, we love kids. Come on in, education is over. Kids must I, have been like, what the hell is this? I thing? was, I was expecting my son to like his jaw dropped because like he's really into ocean lives, into like fish, shark, octopus, all those things, right? But I think like he just kind of sees it almost like a public aquarium. At that point, yeah, it's so interesting. I was like, I'm like, okay, <laughs> but anyways, it was uh for me personally, it was told it's, it's it's strange. I it's, I saw the tank so many times online, but yeah. seeing it in person, and then just learning the operation behind it and seeing what happens behind the scene because we got to walk through the back, and he showed like um one thing that kind of stood out is that as soon as we walk in, there's a little panel on the ground that Rashid opened up. And when you look in, it's just this big cave. And supposedly they keep the water or something in there. But if somebody falls in, they cannot get back out. They kind of crawl back out. So it's really? like, yeah, it's insane. Sounds like a trap the whole, door. The whole setup is just crazy. <laughs> and when you actually go downstairs, you see the side of that container. It's yeah, the whole thing's insane. And Lynn, who may be in the chat right now, also went. Um, so she can probably speak more to it as well. But uh, it's a it's a really insane experience. And I'm I feel really lucky to be able to see this in person. Yeah, I um I, I was I was supposed to visit last uh last fall, but uh it, I couldn't um I had to uh reschedule. So I'm I'm hoping in the very near future to uh to swing by and next time I'm in the New York area to uh to check awesome. it out. Yeah. So and go ahead. 
sorry. Um, and they have a really interesting collection of fish as well. There are a lot of fish that I did not know about. And oh, really? just I've heard name off. Yeah, I, just, I was like, oh, what is this? How, and the, the main thing is like, how much did that cost? <laughs> <laughs> I know it shouldn't be a thing, but that just mind-blowing. Well, yeah, you know, um, my understanding is that there are some um, rare and exotic fish in that tank that uh, you're not going to find in another, um, you know, uh, private aquarium in the United States. Right. And just one thing to the team's credits, it may be easy to give off the appearance that, okay, uh, maybe they just have money, just hire people, just pay for whatever, right? But they actually do know their stuff. They really do care. And I think they're honestly out there trying to make a difference and make some changes. Just want to put it out there as well. Yeah, no, that's for sure. They're, um, you know, Andrew, Rashid, and the whole team there. They're um, they're awesome, and it's a um, it's it's great. I think their whole thing is basically education, and and helping, um, you know, the uh, the reef keeping community, helping um, you know the young people out there that are interested in this sort of thing. You know, get a better understanding of um, you know the whole um, reef. You know ecosystem so it's uh it, it's it's a great thing in terms of what they're doing the whole mission so yeah, Kudos yeah. To them. and right and just to kind of cap it off it's um also really interesting for me to follow the journey simply because i've always imagined okay if i have like huge budgets what would the hobby be like for me so i'm kind of living vicariously through them as well so it's been a really interesting journey um john right only 37 likes you had 102 22 watching yeah come on people let's get the uh, let's get busy and hit that like button let's get those uh those likes up um so uh, you know so they have more than just the uh, 17,000 gallon tank right you uh did you uh, get a full tour in terms of all the other tanks in the uh, the house yes two other tanks stood out one is a tank that is unfortunately sitting right next to a 17,000 gallon so everybody can just walk by it <laughs> but they have a really cool um hawaiian amphibious that's really huge with a lot of scully uh, scully's down there yeah uh, i like that tank that's really interesting i love that fish even though it's kind of like uh, but the fish is interesting uh they also have another uh, really interesting tank in the back with a lot of mushrooms i saw some really expensive angel fish uh, also a really beautiful tank and at that point i feel like any fish in his collection could be kind of like a centerpiece and a talking point for a whole video <laughs> but the fact that he puts so many together that unfortunately they all just kind of blend together for me i'm yeah. just, just gonna blur yeah so uh, of all the tanks you saw there what um what tank if if you could um you know replicate that sort of setup what, what tank would that be um i would do the one in his office that's the one to talk about with a lot of mushrooms and some angel fish in there mainly because of the size uh, I would not do what he did, 17,000. Even, <laughs> even if I have the money, the manpower, the willpower, I would not do it. If you had a staff uh, to help you? He, you he does, but it's still, you still have to kind of manage the staff. He's still making all these decisions, and that's on top of his day job. I would not want that. And we don't even need to talk about the 17,000 gallon. If you ask me if I were to kind of just scrap all my tanks and just start one, what would I do? I would not go larger than 100 gallon. I would most likely go with a 93 gallon cube or like even a smaller 60, I think 60 gallon cube. I would do one of those. I want one water change to make a impactful difference versus having to like do buckets of them. Well, yeah, I'll tell you, I, um, you know, when I started up my peninsula tank, that was like my second system. And, and, um, so basically for me, the maintenance has doubled 
you know, since I started mm. up that tank. And it's um, it's a lot of work, man. You know, it's it's like, you know, when you have like one system or one tank, whatever it is, it's like you're doing one water change. You're um, you're dealing with like, um, you know, maintenance for one tank and changing out uh, calcium reactor media or, or um, you know, whatever you're you're doing with that maintenance. But now you're multiplying that by two. So it's, um, you know, and, I, and I've got like, a, uh, in, in one of my systems, I've got two frag tanks plumbed into that display tank. So I've got like, I'm three, three tanks is on one system and I got two mm. tanks on, on a, um, on the second system. So it is five tanks, but it's two different systems. So I didn't, um, I didn't want to go for three systems because I just don't have the time to, uh, to do all that stuff and, and run a business and all that sort of thing. It's, uh, you know, I'm a one man show, but mm. it's, um, it does take a lot of time this hobby, right? I mean, you, you really, and, and you got two young kids, man. It's gotta be, uh, that's, that's a juggling <laughs> act at this point. I'm, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, at a certain point I even thought about taking down the, uh, mangrove tank. That's really? a 17 gallon, but it's so low maintenance that uh, I thought, okay, you know what, let's just leave it running and see how it does. And it, it runs perfectly without, without me interfering. The only maintenance I do on it is sometimes I scrape the glass and then I'll do water change on it maybe every two or three months and feed the fish every day, which I enjoy anyways. And that's pretty much it. Um, super, super low maintenance. And I think down the road, I'll probably look more into it. A couple, two years back, when I started the 135-gallon tank, I tried to go high tech, thinking that having technology, having controllers will help me maintain the tank. I'll spend less time on it. So I went through this. It's not true. <laughs> and I can we can get into that uh, if you want. But I definitely have my thought in terms of uh, what's the right amount of automation. Yeah, go for it, man. I mean, what, uh, what have you found to be kind of the uh, sweet spot for you? I think for me, the sweet spot is that I would like to have monitoring and maybe uh, fail saves. For example, if a heater fell, I wanted to let me know and then sh uh, shut it off. Uh, but in terms of adjusting dosing based on test results, I would definitely not do that. I have not done it. Uh, in terms of a lot of other automations besides auto feeders, uh, I don't. I don't think I need it. Like any dosing ad adjustment, I have an app. I can if I see the reading. Oh, let me back up a little bit. In terms of uh, auto water test, I am currently running a Alcatronic, which I absolutely love. I tried the Massatronic which I felt like I spent more time trying to get it tuned in than it helped me save. I would rather just pull out my test kit and test, yeah. the, uh, test the elements, which may not be fair because for me, I'm not keeping as close eye, uh, as close a watch on my nutrients and calcium and magnesium. Other people who may, be, who may have business to run, they want to make sure everything is on, on point, that may, call, uh, that may work for them. But for me, alkalinity checking is perfectly fine. I have my temperature track using the hydros, um, I have my pH checked using hydros as well. I have a two pH probe just for fail safe and Alcatronic uh, also have a pH probe in there. Um, and I feel like that amount of monitoring is enough. If I see the alkalinity runoff, I have three, I do three tests a day. If I see it start trending up, maybe I'll watch one more day and then I'll go in my app, I'll tweak the uh, dosers dosing to kind of dial back a little bit. Yep. Um, for dosing, I'm dosing Calcwasser at night. So usually I use that. Before the crash, I need to do calc water and then also two parts uh, supplements because my calc water dosing kind of outpaced my evaporation rate. Yep. Uh, 
But right now we're at a point where we don't need the two parts. I'm just doing Keltwasser. So any adjustment, I just adjust to Keltwasser and that's it. So I think for me, the sweet spot is pretty much um, monitor pH, monitor temperature. If I have SPS in the tank in a um, reasonable amounts, I would do a um, alkalinity auto tester, whether it's alkatronic or something else. But beyond that, I feel like for me at least, it's a little bit overkill. I'm um, I'm in the same camp. You know, I um, you know, if you walk into my my sump room and look at all my stuff, you might be like, "Wow, man, that is like that's a lot of stuff going on there." But um, you know, I I'm in the same same thing in terms of like I just like to do the monitoring. I don't like to do the controlling with the monitor. You know, I've got the um, the GHL cage director, and and um, when I was dosing two part, you know, a few years ago, I I did fiddle with the uh, control aspect of it. But I, I just um, I kind of felt like I don't check it enough in terms of, um, you know, where where it, um, you know, it, it's all like on the app and all that stuff. And you can do all the charting and stuff. But I like to walk by it and, and kind of like see, you know, mm. what the numbers are. And so it's kind of difficult to, to, you know, see a trend. So it's um, yeah, to me, I think it's um, a lot of people do it. And a lot of people do it very successfully in terms of, um, you know, doing a lot of controlling with their, um, uh, you know, their, 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 um, their stuff. But I think it's, uh, it's, it's great to be able to have some stuff in place where you can make sure that, um, things are not going to one extreme versus the other. And, and if they are, then you can kind of like step in and, and make the, uh, the correction yourself manually, which makes me feel more comfortable as a reef keeper. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I, there, there's a lot of things that could go wrong with a lot of automation. I don't know if you do automatic water changes. Those scare me. Oh, I do not. Yeah, I am. I'll tell you what I do. I use a wet dry vac. The way I do water changes, I go down to some and just kind of suck out maybe like five buckets full of those five gallon oh, buckets really? and just dump it out. Yeah. And then I would actually, um, I have a brute trash can. I think it's like 45 gallon or 35. I just use a little pail and just flush the water back into the uh, refugium on sump just like flush the things out so i'm still kind of manual that way um not smart enough to do those uh, auto water change right, where some people just push a button and everything's done maybe down the road but at this point right now i feel like what i do it's it's good enough and usually i don't do water change that often it's um i don't really do maintenance water change only when i notice something's off then I go in. Or if I notice the sump is really dirty, then I was like, okay, let me just change out a little bit of water and I'll use this chance to kind of siphon out whatever's down well, there Well, you're, um, you're doing like the reef moonshiners method, right? You're doing ICP, monthly ICP testing, and then you're using the reef moonshiners um, elements to uh, tweak along the way. Is Or is that my off base there? No, you're right. Okay. Um, I am doing ICP about every three months. Okay. Um, and then I just tweak the major elements, minor elements uh, as needed, and also do the daily doses. And so far, I, I like it. And uh, a lot of people kind of just paying me as like, hey, he's doing Reef Moonshiner methods. And yes, I am. I'm still doing it. And I do really notice a difference when I started on it. Uh, before I mentioned SPS coming to tank, uh, they were brown for a long time. Like these days, they're brown for about two months and then they color up. But back then, they were brown for half a year. <laughs> and I started doing this. Two weeks later, things started turning uh, into the appropriate color. And so I was like, okay, tank was missing some kind of trace element. Yeah, folks, if you're watching and you've got some brown corals and you're thinking of chucking them or brown SPS, don't because yeah. they are not dead and uh, they can absolutely color back up. I have um, 
a, uh, a BC Hyperberry, um, my colony just kind of like browned out on me. So I, um, I fragged up the colony and, and um, I saved some pieces and, and one of those pieces went into my display tank, the 187 gallon display tank. And it was brown for a while, like a couple of months. I'm like, man, oh man, this is ever going to like, you know, I don't know what happened, but it, it just colored right back up. So you never know. And same thing with uh, Ganyporus. I have some that was just angry for the same thing, half a year. It just never really extended. It just kind of, kind of dare, not extended or, or shrunken up. But eventually they came out and they're one of the largest corals I have today. So give them a chance. Yeah. Um, looking at um, some of the chat here. Um, Angel's Reef. Uh, Moki, do you think your tank crash related to the grade of cockwasser you're using, impurities built up? I don't know. I think it seems like you pretty much established that it was probably the uh, the strip lights, right? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I thought about it too. Um, but then ICP came back clean. I understand that there are things that um, ICP may not detect, but the fact that the other goldenrod colony is completely fine and all the other corals seems to be fine until at that point makes me lead me to think that maybe something else. And if it is the impurity, then it should still be affecting the corals right now. Um. C reef bum if you heard any whispers about the GHL ion uh, director I haven't um, I haven't gotten a recent update in the last uh, last few weeks but uh, I do know that um, they were um, running through some final tests with the um, uh, what do we call that the ion sensor I think that's what it's called and and so they're pretty close to um, getting that back into production that's my understanding but I got to get an update on that um, farm frags I guess this is directed to you, Moki. Who introduced you to Moonshiner? Is it Farmfrax? <laughs> I think a few people did it at the same time, but Farmfrax did too. <laughs> oh, Farmfrax. Thank you. Farmfrax did. I think he did. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah. I'm doing something similar. I'm doing um, Captivate Aquaculture. So I'm doing um, monthly ICP testing, but I'm, I'm dosing um, traces and miners from um, Captivate Aquaculture. So it's, it's a similar uh, concept. It's, it's a, uh, you know, I'm getting ICP test results. There, Chris Wood has a spreadsheet on his website, and I just pop the, um, the values from the ICP test into this uh, spreadsheet. And it'll, it'll tell you where uh, you need, you know, in terms of how much you should be um, dosing um, you know, over like a, if it's a 30-day period, how much you should be um, you know, dosing to... Uh, make the uh, corrections and whether you're deficient or um, over um, elevated. So it's, uh, I, I like it a lot. I've, I've noticed some, some big differences myself in, in terms of corals being happier. No, I think this is excellent. Um, I feel like we kind of, as, as a hobby, we kind of smoothed out the whole, uh, like keeping course, making core, making sure course survive for most people, like SPS, alkalinity, right? We, we kind of mastered that. Now we're starting to figure ways to, uh, you know, level them up with trace elements. We're looking into that. We're looking to bacteria, which I thought was really interesting too. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you about bacteria, Chris, uh, ACI, my hyperberry did the same thing. So I said, I said, Chris, my, uh, frag of the hyperberry, I know it browned out, Chris. Do you, are you telling me Chris had a color back up too? I don't know. That would be interesting. Wacky. Um, go ahead. Yes. Um, I know you guys are brewing something for antibiotics. Okay. Yeah. So when is that coming? <laughs> I don't. 
I'm not trying to get the source or whatever, <laughs> but that sounds like the perfect thing. Because one big reason I have been so resistant in terms of uh, using Cipro is because of the whole like, ah, everybody stay away from antibiotic. But based on some of the podcasts you did in the past, it sounds like whatever that you guys are using seems to just be uh, mainly it's just a coy folks that are using it. You're talking about the oxalinic uh, acid. Yes. And, and and there's a couple of folks out there that uh, that reached out to me. Well, a lot of folks have been reaching out to me about it. Oh, I'm sure. And and, and I'm um, you know at this point my um, my my whole position is so Chris Meckley is very involved. Julian Sprung is very involved. There's a, there's a whole bunch of research. There's a university involved. So there's going to be a whole study, and maybe when I get Meckley on, and uh, I think it's in June, he could talk more about it. So there's going to be a lot of research behind it, hopefully, that can provide a, um, a really good blueprint in terms of how to, you know, if, if you need to, to treat a tank with it and, and how to do it, you know, the protocol. Because um, right now there's a protocol out there, but it's not, um, you know, it's, it's anecdotal, right? And, and there, yeah. there's just been people that have been doing it and, and uh, you know, there's, uh, there's a belief that it, um, it's been working, which is good, but there's a lot of variables in play. And I think the thinking is that you want to learn a lot more about it before you start making this a, uh, a widespread type of treatment out there in the, um, in the reef keeping universe. So, you know, I know, um, reef moonshiners, there's a, uh, an RTN STN protocol for, for treating RTN and STN. I think that's been out there for a while. Uh, I don't know much about it, but it seems like people uh, have been using it. I know um, Mike Paletta successfully used Cipro, but I think he really nuked his tank with it. You know, I don't know what uh, what protocol you follow for Cipro, but it's it's you know we talked a lot about this on on past live streams of, with with multiple guests that uh, treating a tank with antibiotics is um, you know that's not something that yeah. um, you should really um, just. Uh, you know, feel like you could you could do, and it, it's it's a it's a big deal, right? Because you yeah. could you could screw up a lot of stuff with um, you know creating a uh, you know different strains of bacteria in your system that could be resistant to antibiotics if you keep hitting the tank and hitting the tank and hitting the tank with it. So it's um, it's really fascinating stuff, but it's also something that um, I think you know for many reef keepers should be a a, a, a last resort. So it's yep. it's it's really cool though because there's just it's like a whole new frontier. Right. It's um I just I'm I just can't wait. I just can't wait to see what you guys find. And to be honest, I was kind of worried when uh Mr. Jake Adams passed away. I feel like, oh man, like who else is gonna carry on this kind of more scientific side of the reef keeping hobby? Is it all gonna be about hype corals? This is cool. Uh, but it looks like part of it is still going on. The, the science behind it is still being carried on, which is excellent. Yeah. Jerry Harkey, thank you so much for that super chat. Really appreciate it. Um, Mark Clark, got to look after that biome for sure. It, um, it is something that, um, is very precious in a reef tank. You know, a lot, you know, what, what's the impact of, um, ChemiClean? I don't know. You know, people use ChemiClean mm. to, uh, to nuke, um, cyano i i used i've used it uh, you know years ago i haven't used it recently so um you know that kind of scares me fluconazole you know that's an antifungal 
type of medication. And, you know, when I had Julian Sprung on, he was he, he seemed to be uh, you know saying that that's that that seems to be a you know a, a good solution for uh, biopsis. There's a lot of different things we can put in our reef tanks, you know. Yeah, this kind of remind me uh, the whole vibrance fiasco. Oh yeah, did you use that? I did. Uh, year and a half ago, two years ago, there's this period of time. I was trying to introduce clamps into my tank. Keeps dying. I was like, what's going on? How come? Like, what is it? At the end, I just kind of wrote it off. It's not until um, the whole news came out about what vibrant actually is, how it potentially affects uh, clamps. I was like, oh, okay. I did two doses of that. So ever since then, I'm kind of hesitant in terms of like new products coming out. I wait for reviews. I wait like new product I'm not going to use. I'm just going to wait and see, like wait and see first and try to find credible sources, which uh, based on your chat with, I think, uh, Mr. Matt Peterson, uh, Peterson yeah. last time about like AI and stuff. Oh, how that's do you scary, determine? Man. Oh, man, that's great. Like I love it's almost like tabbing into different sides of not even just the hobby. I got I got. I, I got I fooled it. by that um, a couple of days ago. I was like uh, scrolling through like YouTube and I saw this uh, YouTube short of a gigantic great white shark washed up on the beach. And that was AI. Yeah. <laughs> That's the future. Yeah. So uh, That's the future, uh, right? go, So go ahead, man. I interrupted you. No, no problem. No problem. So I started like this past year, year and a half, I just started um, kind of reviewing how I get my information. How do you determine that this source is a good source of information? Number one, of course, I have my go-to people that I trust. I know they know their stuff, right? Um, they've been around. They have successful tanks. They have successful coral business, which to me is actually really important. If you're, if you're like, your life is on the line, right? These, these are essentially your income. Of course, you do whatever you think is best. Like those information that came from Dom, I'll definitely give them more weight. Uh, the next up would be like, okay, how does this uh, person's tank yeah. look? Has it, is it just that one tank? Has Because if it's just one tank, maybe he just got lucky, right? He just did not encounter all this issue. But if he had multiple tanks, it doesn't matter if it crashed at some point, because each time you crash, I believe that you learn something. But can he rebuild to that point where it was successful again? What I deem is successful, then okay, his comment probably weigh a lot more too, because it's been there, he's done that, he proved that he learned something so he can be successful again. So I started kind of reviewing these. And it's interesting because I know you guys really downplay forum, like really like forum information because everybody can hop on there and put comments yeah. in, right? But at the same time, I also find a lot of uh, useful uh, information from forum as well because there are good nuggets of information makes them for the bad. It's just a matter of like, can you distinguish them? And I think down the road, AI should be able to, just like Google page ranking, page rank, they, uh, they can some way rank each of these answers and uh, present them in that order. And I feel like down the road, AI should be smart enough to do something like that. So I'm, I'm hopeful. Yeah, it, it is scary stuff because, um, I, you know, I, I was really kind of um, not as uh, aware about the impacts that AI could have on the, um, you know, in, in, in terms of editorials or, or in terms of content. Right. You know, I, I, um, I had no idea that uh, that sort of stuff can go on where somebody can just um, use one of these services and write an article, you know, have like maybe been in the hobby for a couple of years and put out a blog post about something. And it's all like A.I. and, and a lot of it is bullshit that, um, you know, you yeah. can't, um, you know, and, and some uh, people that are just getting into the hobby might read it and and um, take in some bad information. But 
yeah, hopefully, hopefully AI can be something down the road where it, um, you know, the, uh, the negative, the positives will outweigh the negatives. Yep. And, um, speaking of bad information, I also want to talk about influencer as well. Cause I think that had been brought up. Well, there, there is a question. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I see a question from CVIN 13. Who are your favorite reef uh, YouTubers besides each other? But let's get into your thing in terms of um, influencers. And then we can both answer this question. Yeah. Cause I, this got me thinking because I am the night worst nightmare educators, worst nightmare. I'm an influencer, right? I cringe at the term. I like to call myself like content creator. I don't want to influence anybody. This is a content I'm creating, but that's besides the point. Let's just use influencer. I started thinking, okay, what's the difference between the content we put out versus something that goes into the magazine. And it sounds like the main difference is the vetting, right? They come from people with actual knowledge. They have been vetted. They have spent time to kind of review this. So I thought back to when I was doing um, weekly videos. What's the difference? The difference is that I started creating things in real time. I'll use example of um, amino acid. Amino acid and past, I was like, oh, everybody's using amino acid. I, it must be something good, right? People are raving about it. Let me add some amino acid too. And then that week, I'll put a video saying that, hey, I'm using this brand's amino acid in my tank. Things look awesome. Little did I know, two or three weeks down the road, things start dying. <laughs> things like, didn't look so awesome. Like, yeah, I was like, what is this? Got to be something else. Must be the light, right? <laughs> Maybe the salt. So I was like, no, this, this can't be it. This can't be it. So later on, uh, I walked by the bottle of amino acids. I got a nice big bottle. I was like, let's try it again. First week, things look great. Two, three weeks later, something dies again. It's like every two weeks later, one coral would die. It could be LPS. So it's, it is strange, it's the strangest thing. This happened four or five times until recently I tried it one more time. There's no way. This time I have a small drop bottle. I tried again, same thing happened. So my conclusion is that, okay, it must be feeding something in the tank. Maybe these other, uh, these other folks have success with it. The nutrient level is really low or whatever. For whatever reason, just jam with the tank. The tank loves it. Where my tank already have all the amino acid, whatever they, they need already. Anything else I put in is probably feeding something bad and it's taking down my corals. So in terms of content creation, this is when people see that, oh, this guy is using amino acids. Uh, I must, uh, his tank looks decent. Let me try it too. So this is where the kind of like bad information come in versus these days. Uh, what I do is that um, I have a whole story first before putting out a video because I'm no longer doing that weekly yeah. videos. So I, I see the whole cause and effects, at least when I feel like I have some kind of conclusion, then I push it out. So I feel like um, at least for me personally, in terms of being an influencer, that was one of my uh biggest disservice to the hobby is to kind of record it in real time, but did not clearly state out that, okay, you know what, this is not tried and true. I know sometimes I do try to do that, but I feel like I could do a much better job versus uh, letting, me know, letting people know that this is still experimental uh, versus I'm much more comfortable doing things the way I'm doing right now where I, okay, Right now, I'm having Euphelia eating flatworm, which is a whole different thing we can get into, that hitchhike into the tank. So for the last month and month or so, I have been dipping the corals um, once or twice a week, the, all the torches. And for the most part, I don't see anything else, uh, but I'm going to keep dipping for another month or two. So that's, I feel like I give a more complete pictures and show more of the process versus that, oh my God, I got Euphelia eating flatworm, this is, not, this is what I'm going to do. 
don't know what it's going to if it's going to work or not. We'll find out next week. So I feel like showing the whole picture is probably a little bit better um, as an influencer or content creator versus, you know, just kind of kind of going um, shooting from the hip. Um, what do you say? Um, yeah, you're just kind of like shotgunning it in terms of shotgunning yeah. it and bringing people yeah. along, like encouraging people to shotgun yeah. it with you. Yeah, I hear you, man. It's um, it's so true. I mean, there's there's just so many things. You know, I, I kind of similar thing for me. I, I just try to like talk about my reef keeping journey, but it's um, you know, if I'm using a, a new product or a new piece of equipment or something, I'll um, I'll really try to get away from making you know statements about that stuff until I've really had a good amount of time with it to uh, to learn it, yeah. and to use it, and all that stuff. It's um, it's tough. You really you know, you, it depends on what you're using, but it could be six months, it could be a year before you really know. Um, you know, can can make draw any conclusions about something. Have um, let me first thank uh, Reef Exotico by uh, Luis Aceves. Luis, man, thanks so much. Um, the comment is uh, super chat. I can still hear Jake saying to me before taking any advice, you should ask. Show me your tank, bro. Be careful <laughs> who you listen to. Respect. And uh, the comments after that, uh, Bill Saltwater Heaven um, with the Exotico ACA Agriculture Reef Exotic, one hundred percent. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, um, that's, that's, that's a sound thing to ask somebody. <laughs> Absolutely. The thing is like the trap I fell into is sometimes I'll push an update out. I'll see comments. I'll get comments that teaches me exactly what I'm doing wrong and how I should do it. And it sounded really convincing. Uh, my English sucks. So when I see something is really well written, I'm like, this guy know what he's doing. And then I'll go look at his channel maybe as a pick a video of his tank and I'm not trying to put anybody down, but I'm like, mm, okay, <laughs> <laughs> good thing I checked for, but you know, there's, so there's some truth to it, right? Um, like look at the tank of the person giving advice and the history and see if that's somebody, uh, that you want to learn from. And another thing is that not everybody is good at everything. No. So I know there's a whole mentality of you find a mentor in the hobby, right? And follow him. But I, I don't know. I'm not 100% in for that because I feel like everybody has the the strength. For me, if you want to do like a super easy tank, low maintenance, yeah, I've done many of those. Like during college times, that's all I have in my uh, in my uh, dorm and whatnot. But if you want me to do a high tech tank, you want to do a high tech tank, definitely do not follow me <laughs> because I'm that's not my strong suit. So I feel like everybody specializes in something. It's really important to identify what that person's good at as well. So let's get back to this question: Who are uh, your favorite reef YouTubers besides each other? Uh, right now there are a couple, uh, just trying to think of like who I watched recently. Dream States, really good. I like her Dream style States. of, yeah, I forgot the exact name. Dream State, but it's, uh, she put on the show recently, Scal sorry, it's escaping me, but she's friend of a uh, Zoa Tank Boys. That's how I found her. Zoa Tank Boys entertaining as well, but Dream State, I like her, her vibe, her style of presentation. I like Frack Box. Because I feel like maybe I have a little ADHD as well. He, the way he jumps around and talk about different things and go off track, I love that. Uh, he kind of remind me of uh, Fish of Hex, Travis sometimes. Yeah. Because sometimes he just pick up the camera and just roll yeah. with it. Like Travis doesn't jump around too much, but you had that like that vibe where it's like oh, just like a buddy, just chat. So I like Frag Box as well. I listen to a lot of podcasts this day as I drive kids around. <laughs> uh, Reef, I uh, keep I keep calling you Reef. Keith, I catch every single one of your podcasts. I really enjoy listening to all of them. 
I feel like each guest come on and bring on a different vibe. For example, for example, the um the one with uh, Mr. Julian Sprung yeah. and friend. Sorry, I forgot. Charles, yeah, Charles, Charles, Del, Charles Del Bates, yes. Yeah. Uh, really educational. So there are guests like that, and then we have like the Reed B fellas that comes on. <laughs> also educational, but it's, little, it's kind of like humor, I jump around. <laughs> I, I jump around a little bit between the different different. Uh, different episodes depending on what's going on uh i listen to reef dork and prestige reef uh sometimes as well so there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh different reef aquarium channels so i think these guys are the ones that i follow consistently there are the ones that kind of pop up and i'll just click in and see what's going on yeah you know there's a there's a lot of stuff that just kind of pops up in my feed too that i'll uh, click on i mean obviously um you know i think Jake and and uh, was certainly the the guy that uh, whenever I saw something pop into my feed that I would I would definitely be watching uh, you know one of his videos I really enjoyed him and um, Mark in, in reef therapy and I'm so happy that um, that Mark is uh, back in the saddle with um, with those yeah. guys on on reef therapy so that's really cool that um, they're gonna uh, keep that uh, that thing alive that's um, that's awesome. I uh, I do enjoy the uh, the reef beef um, you know podcast as well. I think they 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 do a good job with uh, with entertaining, but I think they also get down to some nice um, some core issues that um, I think are are definitely worth uh, people checking out in terms of you know the um, the the content they're pushing out. Uh, Abe Coral Euphoria, I'm an SPS stickhead oh, yes. guy, so I think yes, I think absolutely. he has some he doesn't. Abe, you got to put out some more videos, dude. But um, he uh, he has some good uh, content, and yeah. So I think it's um, it's good to have all these um, different uh, content creators out there. And like like you said, everybody's kind of like got their own little uh, niche that um, they 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 cover. So yeah, there's a little something for everybody out there. And and uh, you know, I'm not um, brown nosing here, but the bulk reef supply, you know, folks, um, you know, have some very educational um videos i think they're the, the good thing that they're doing matthew is is kind of like their um uh their beginner guru which i think is is awesome because there's a lot of people you know i think a lot of people that might be getting into the hobby might be a little bit overwhelmed so i think it's great to kind of have the uh the educational aspect for for people that are uh, newbies getting into the hobby yeah. so it's yeah it's it's all good absolutely keith i want to ask you have you ever started a reef tank for content? Huh. You know, the, uh, yeah, the, uh, the peninsula tank build was something, well, it was, it was twofold. You know, I, I needed to, I needed to have an, a second system because I farm, farm coral, I sell coral and I, I wanted to have a second system to expand my collection also to be able to give me backups. Right. So, corals that I had um, in, in my original system, I wanted to bank them in my second system, but I also thought it would be, um, you know, a great idea to do a, um, a, uh, a series, a, a content series yeah. about that, uh, that tank build. And I never really done that before, you know, that organized. So yeah, that was, that was kind of like, that kind of put me over the top in terms of doing that second system, because like I said before, for me, I knew it was going to be a lot of extra work. But it was um, both. It, it was a um, it was a business decision. You know, it felt if I was not uh, running a business, I probably wouldn't have started that tank in the first place, the second uh, system. But to me, it made business sense to do that as a hobbyist. 
Would have I had that um, second system? Uh, you know, probably not. But I'm glad I did it because it's now my favorite system. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Is that the, is that the system where you rip that? Like you reset no, the tank? No, that, that's my original uh, tank in this uh, this house on a mat. This is the um, this is the okay. Peninsula tank, which is uh, was was brand new a couple of, two three years ago that I uh, that I started. How about you, man? Did you uh, have you done that? I did. Um, the budget tank, the one I built with like a 10 gallon tank, uh, it's the 10 gallon, $10, like from Petco tank. So that tank, I thought it would be fun to just see if I can, how, how, how cheap can I do it with like, just hang on a back filter and just like a really cheap lights. I think it's called Aqua Night from Amazon. It's like 60 bucks lights and what, what I can grow on it. And it turns out to be one of the most popular series because I guess uh, even back then, reefing it's <laughs> could be expensive. It could be seen as expensive. And this just to show that with this amount of dollar, you can get your foot in the door. Yeah, but um, I I always wonder, okay, maybe, maybe I should do a uh, 2023 version of a slightly updated budget nano tank. I don't know. Let me, uh, let me say thanks to Mark Vanderwald. Hey, uh, Mark, I didn't know you were in the audience, dude, so I wasn't like trying to like blow smoke up your butt, but uh, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was genuine in terms of what I was saying about you guys. And, and wait, wait, wait can, can I blow some go smoke? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, in terms of podcasts, I caught pretty much every single episode of the uh, original Retherapy uh, as well. I feel like at that time it was um, BLS, uh, Keep Yours, and also Retherapy each have a really different vibe. And depending on the mood I was in that day, I go into like different episode and just kind of watch a little bit more. So uh, when the whole change happened with free therapy, I, I was a little worried. I was like, oh man. <laughs> but it seems like it's off to a good start. So I'm really looking forward to it. Like to me, Reef, uh, reef Builders, uh, Reef Therapy brings the really scientific aspect of it with uh, the, the use of the language as well. It's also really eloquent, yeah. Which is strange. Again, my English sucks. That's why I really look up to people who can uh, eloquently speak. So that dude, that you, really you, you speak at least too. two languages. I think that's pretty damn impressive. No, thank you, thank yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I speak one language, so I cannot imagine trying to uh, be. Uh, you know, I mean, I yeah, I I could not tell that. You know, that would not be your first language in terms of English. So you're uh, you've assimilated very well in that sense. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> But yeah, to me that was a uh, that was a huge. I was like, oh man, what's gonna happen? But I'm I'm really I'm just really glad that uh, carried on, and I just I can't wait to see where it lands in terms of the niche for reef podcasts. So we got some comments here. Uh, Shallow reefing, the skimmer deep dive on reef therapy is legendary. Yeah, that was like I don't know if you caught that, man. That was like two episodes, and it, oh, it yes. might have been like two hours a piece or something like that. That was uh that was crazy and um Kevin C Reef Therapy is my go-to podcast for long road trips. Uh Mark Vanderwall, love your channel, Moki. Thank you. Yeah. Um I was going to ask you um Oh, Angel's Reef, inappropriate reef. You need to upload more videos like you used to back uh <laughs> weekly routine, please. So I want to talk to us, man. What uh, oh, that man. Was the second kid kind of uh, you know cut, made you cut back a little bit. What's uh, what's the future hold, Loki? Uh, okay, so it's two things. Uh, number one, I think the first kid already kind of cut me back a little bit. <laughs> I yeah, I would think so. <laughs> I was struggling. Uh, I think the second second 
the second thing that kind of pushed me over a little bit was like a, a while back, I uploaded a video about the um, the cost of reefing, right? Mm-hmm. My whole point of that video was that you do not need expensive gear. There are expensive gear, which it works for some people, but you don't need it. Just the fact, just, just seeing them online all the time doesn't mean that you have to get it. There's always this place for everybody. That's the point of that video. But that kind of blew up and a lot of conversation was generated through it. And I just found it stressful, to be honest. And on top of that, I had the, of course, I had the first kid at the time, and the time was like about one. So I was like, ah, forget it. Let me just dial it back. So I decided to just kind of no longer adhere to like a weekly schedule. I think I did just like free form. I started out doing every two weeks and then three weeks, and it became a month. And now the second kid came, I actually found myself having a little bit more time, which is strange. I actually have a little more time now because I guess Mm. you don't, things don't get easier, but you get a little bit better. Yeah. Or maybe... My wife got a little bit better <laughs> and she was able to like do a majority of the stuff. So I was able to like just stay up at night and just do some editing. So I actually feel that my publish rate actually increased a little bit again. And it also I has think to it do has, with, yeah. Yeah, it also has to do with the content as well. Uh, for the most part, pandemic seems to be over. So we started going out again. We started seeing people again. Nice. I was getting tired of keep just shooting my own tank, talking about my own tank. Oh, it was not fun. Uh, so just this, just this past weekend, went to fish stores, uh, saw uh, saw Jim, saw Lynn, and just picked up some corals and stuff. And we got some. Actually, we got ACI's new King Hammer. So there are a lot of contents right there. Nice. And on top of that, if we want to talk about my tank, I am battling the uh, euphilia eating flatworms. I do have a lot of clips saved up, all kind of like just queued together, videos almost ready to go. I'm just waiting for a logical ending. And we can also talk about like the yellow Fiji letter, how the color is slowly, is actually slowly morphing a little bit. Thank you, Mark and Jake. Um, <laughs> so there are a lot more things to talk about. So it has a lot to do with the uh, amount of content as well. I'm really trying not to force content, especially when I don't have time, when I don't need to. And now content is kind of piling up, which is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that that's, you know, that's that's something that um I think it's 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 not a good thing if you're feeling pressure to put out a video every week and you got to like come up right. with some content and it's and it's forced. It's not authentic and that's um that's something that uh you know is is uh is going to kind of come across, I think, in the uh, content that creators put out there. Right. And I think one more thing that's kind of helping me stay the track as well is that I'm not sure if you know this, but I started doing a little sponsorship. I know sponsor is kind of like a dirty word for content creators. Hey, we're, <laughs> we're, I'm sponsored by Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. You know, they're right My lo- smack dab in the middle of this uh, live stream here. So, And I'm, I'm drinking from this. <laughs> but here's my tick. Here's my kind of like my, my cheat code. So... My goal, number well, number one, of course, equipment, if I have a new build, uh, if like equipment that I have faith in come in and I feel confident that there's going to be a solid product. Yeah, if, I, if I'm if i not banding my, if I don't have to bend over or whatever, give up like whatever I want to say to say, like usually the companies and this hobby is really good about just letting you say whatever. Uh, if it's not one of those, then yeah, I'll take it. It's fine. But in terms of actual like money, I started working with um, sponsors that have nothing to do with the reefing hobby. So this way, there's no question that I'm being skewed one way or another because of this. How did you manage Uh, that, dude? 
they they approached me really so they approached me yeah yeah yeah. but wow. um i mean these are these are not consistent once in a while to come in and when they come in i take it because i can use this fun to show yeah. not to buy stuff for reefing gear but to show my wife that hey the stuff that i'm doing is actually benefiting the family yeah, you gotta so, like uh you gotta like try to you know that's that's like selling frags or something like that you you gotta try to like supplement right. the hobby that way right right supplement the hobby and to be fair once i get the um the initial build up uh the cost of the hobby is not too much right which is which is great uh so anything any income coming in i can use it towards like kids toward family and stuff like that and i have i was like all right this is why i'm <laughs> i'm not sleeping right now i'm cutting this together so we can buy this later on so i was like okay fine it's actually kind of like a side business but that's kind of like my side step too in terms of uh i was like hey is this guy paid off that's why i'm saying this it's like no some of these stuff, I actually have the money now to buy. And this is my honest opinion. For example, like the hydros and stuff. Um, bought them. So the opinion is uh, pretty honest. And if I do get something that is free, these days I just really clearly say out, okay, I got this for free. Um, so a couple of comments here. ACI Aquaculture, Chris uh, Meckley, Moki, how is your king doing? He's talking about the, um, the king quartz hammer. Is that uh, what yes. he's talking about? Yes. So, um, Chris, great naming, by the way, the Royal line. I like that. That makes people want to collect the whole thing. So that's oh, yeah. the king, the queen, the princess and the, uh, dark knights, I think. So I actually got the dark knights. I think it's two months back or three months. I forget. Uh, it's, it's a while back. That's the first release. Uh, so Lynn, um, reef nerd aquatics is local to me. And sometimes, like when she gets some interesting stuff, she's like, "Hey, do you want do you want to buy this?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yes." And she gave me a nice little discount, and I was just paying. So I I got the um, the Dark Knights first. Outside at first, it's not doing too much for me initially, but now it's starting to grow on me a little bit. I see a white ring coming in. I was like, "Oh, that's interesting. It's pretty good." Uh, so when uh, Chris announced the king, the queen, and the princess, I was like, "Oh, that's that's." let's give it another try it's actually lynn that messaged me first hey it's like hey this is coming out do you want it she sent me a picture of the princess i was like oh this is cool okay uh sign me up and then she said that well these are also coming out she sent me the picture of the king and the queen when i saw the king i was like oh this is it i like this one it's like um a gold hammer with green tentacles it's absolutely beautiful and uh so that's why i saw that i told lynn's like hey can i actually switch it to the king after seeing that so i end up getting that and uh it's it's beautiful uh, blow my mind is probably one of my favorite hammer in the tank at the moment. Yeah, you know, I've um, I, I've just never gotten into the whole uh, the hammer coral and the torch coral stuff, and and um, I'm probably just not any good at it. And and um, so maybe I haven't given it a, um, a fair shot. I haven't really dug too deep in on that stuff. I'm just a stickhead at heart, and I think um, you know, it's uh, it's. The great thing about reef keeping, man, it's like you can just keep what you dig, right? You, um, that's what it's all about. It's a personal, personal thing. So it's, um, it, there's something for everybody out there, whether it's Zoas. And I still haven't, I haven't, I haven't commented about that awesome background that you, uh, got behind oh. you there, uh, Mokia, that Zoa garden. Is that from one of your tanks? That's from the 135. Uh, I think this was maybe a year ago. This is, this is actually the same background I used when we did the last live stream. Well, there you go. I didn't even remember that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's been a while. Um, but yeah, from like you say, different stroke for different folks. Uh, otherwise, everybody's retain is gonna be the same. And how boring would that be, right? 
So let me ask you a, um, um, a question. You know, you talked about um, in terms of, you know, kind of like um, running and gunning and, and shooting videos and just kind of talking about, hey, I use Aminos and this is great stuff. And then all of a sudden, a few weeks later, it didn't work out. Um, besides like amino acids, what, um, what like new method or, or new thing have you tried with your reef tanks that actually did, um, well, I guess you talked about <coughs> reef moonshiners, but you know, in, in terms of your methods, yeah. methodology and, 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 um, in terms of keeping a reef tank, what has been some changes that you made that have stuck? Sure. Kelp well, sir. For the longest time, even during my 45-gallon cube, Jim, I call him my reef sensei, uh, <laughs> he kept preaching, Kalkwasser, go Kalkwasser, go Kalkwasser. He never do a strong push because it's not like that, um, at least with me. He's always like, okay, I would suggest this, but if I, I end up going a different route, totally fine with it. Uh, so back then, I was doing two parts. And for with this tank, I finally tried Kalkwasser, and then I understood I, I was like, oh, this is why you kept telling me to try Kalkwasser mm -hmm. because of the pH bomb. I never, like, I understood, I did not understand it. I heard about it, but I did not understand how important that was. So Kalkwasser is one method that stuck. And that was during the time where pH was a hot topic online, of course. Yeah. And I tried the CO2 scrubber. At first, I DIY'd it. It did not really work well. They keep, I keep getting moisture inside the uh, media chamber. That's when I just was like, all right, let me just buy some like prefabricated one. And I, uh, I went to Travis website and ordered uh, his uh, free printed CO2 scrubber adapter. And that worked a lot better. So right now in terms of controlling pH, I have the Catwasser running at nights. I'm doing a continuous, continuous dose. I think from like 4 PM until like 11 AM. And then uh, the other, I turned that off after 11 a.m. And I also do CO2 scrubber, recirculating CO2 scrubber. Let me make that clear. Just so that just so that I don't burn out the uh, media too quickly. And for the media, I use the Shop Vet Vet. It's one of those uh, non-aquarium or non-pets. Wait, it could be pet, Shop Mat Vet. <laughs> but anyways, it's not one of the aquarium uh, company ones. And it comes in a big jug. This lasts me a long time, especially since I'm using recirculating. Gotcha. Any anything else besides uh, cockwasser? Okay, let me think. So I do cockwasser. I also do eco balance, Dr. Tim's eco balance. Not because or maybe it works. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. But what it says makes sense. It says that oh, this bac good bacteria may take up the space that the bad bacteria may take up. Basically, it just occupy the space. I was like, okay, that makes sense. And uh, let me just use. So I've been using it daily. And I have like jugs full of it as well. And yes, I also bought it. <laughs> Mike Lemming's asking, are you still using that budget bulk CO2 scrubbing media? Yes, uh, I've been using it, have not swapped it out, no reason to. And it is color changing and been doing well. My pH, one of them is always showing at about 8.25-ish. Uh, the higher one shows about 8.35-ish. I'm not sure which one to believe, but somewhere there. So I'm happy with it. So you're you're doing the cockwasser, and um, what else do you um, besides the uh, the CO two? So I mean that's that's pretty good, man. I mean, so your your low yeah. is um, what? So what would be your low, and and the, is the high the eight uh, eight two five eight three five? Yes, that's a high. I think low is probably is it point one swing or maybe point oh five swing? It's it's a small oh, swing simply yeah. because I dose calc at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I um I have the same um love affair with Cockwasser. 
it um, it is a beautiful beautiful thing. I do the uh, the Chris Meckley uh, ACI method, and it uh, and it works for me. You're not uh, you're not doing a slurry thing, are you? Not a slurry. I'm too chicken to do yeah, it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and I. I should have tried drilling a hole and running a running a hose out and connect it to the skimmer intake first, but I I don't know. It just scares me. That, uh, that didn't really work for me. You know, I tried that at one point. I I, uh, I ran a hose, but I had to run the hose like twenty five feet out to a to a window. You know, from my uh, skimmer intake, and um, I didn't see any bump in pH when I did that. It, it might have just not been a big enough hose or something. I don't know. Is your room is your room the CO two levels already pretty low? I, mean, I um that's a really good question because I never um, got a CO two okay. meter to um to measure what was going on in my uh, my basement. But the, the the thing that made a big difference for me was a few years ago I had a uh, an air exchange unit installed. I saw that in in my uh, in my house, and I think that was good for a, a, a bump of a point two pH points, I believe. Nice. Which um so I you know being here in Vermont in the winter time with all the windows shut tight. I run that thing pretty much from like October and I'm still running it right now, you know, mm. but, um, that, uh, that's been huge for me. So, you know, my pH ranges in both systems, like eight, three low and eight, five high or something. So nice. it's, um, it's very much elevated and yeah, I've got, um, so how are you dosing your, uh, caulk wash? Are you doing a, uh, a, a caulk, a caulk, uh, stir or are you doing like a drum method or, uh, drum method, I, I guess that's what we call it. But I have a little jug. Yeah. So basically, I'll just mix it uh, usually once a week, every five days or so. Um, add, it's a six-gallon jug. Add of Aldea water, add like 10, 10 teaspoon of uh, Kalkwasser, mix it up, let it settle, and just stick the stick the hose in. And it's tied off so that it doesn't reach the bottom. It's just that's traditional that, method. That's what I do, man. It's so freaking easy. It really is. Right. You don't have to worry about stirring it up and all that stuff. And it's just, um, I find it very simple and and um, safe. Yeah, same thing with the ATO. I know a couple of times, like Jim was like, hey, you can just hook it up to your RODI system, do some fail safe and stuff. But this scares me. I just have like a small ATO container next to it. If the water runs out, like if it gets stuck on, runs out, it runs out. Um, so, But yeah, different, different way of uh, running system, right? So, uh, dude, let me ask you one last question, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it. What uh, do you have any uh, thing on the horizon in terms of new things you want to try with the uh, the tank? I'm setting up a new tank. Oh, you are. Ooh, freshwater tank. Freshwater tank. Is this an exclusive <laughs> we got going on no, here? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not even sure if I'll, I'll share that on YouTube or whatnot. Just like a fun little hobby. Um, I recently got talking to a friend about freshwater shrimp. I kept it briefly in the past, and it was okay. It's it's fun, but uh, in terms of success, it was okay. They breed a little bit, but I didn't really uh, go too far with it. But this time, I do have a um, uh, what's it called ONF ONF Flat Nano. It's one of those like small desktop lights for Planet Tank. It looks really sleek. Yeah. Uh, so I got one of those sitting around. I looked at it. And I was like, okay, freshwater shrimp, they just need like a 2.5 or 5-gallon tank, small tank. So I started looking at pictures and articles and, of course, YouTube videos. And there are some awesome tanks out there. So I got one of these like little shallow uh, shallow glass tank that's going to sit at a desktop. And I already ordered some black lava rock. I already got some moss right here. We got weeping moss, Christmas moss. Wow. Again, we were at the uh, local fish store this past weekend. I saw them. I was like, I need to just grab them. Nice. 
So got that set up, probably get the tank up and running in a week or two. So that's the um, freshwater side. The Very cool. saltwater side, I think what I want to do right now is just kind of hold the course for the 135. It's uh, try not to rock the boat. Uh, I'm slowly dialing the light back up, which I know I'm like, oh. <laughs> but I feel like the corals are really healthy right now. They seems really, um, really vibrant and really lively. It feels good. It's strange. Sometimes you look at the tank, you can tell if something is off or something is just yeah. chucking really great. Yeah. Like you just get this, tuned in. So tank has been great for the last two weeks. The only issue is the Euphelia is eating flatworms, but I feel like that's kind of isolated to the torches. And for the most part, that... I feel like it's also addressed too. But I feel like now it's time to slowly dial the light back up a little bit. I see all the SPS have white tips started encrusting over the dead areas for the ones that survive, which is a great sign. Even on the bare rock that I thought was bare, little pieces started coming out. Oh, I lost a lot of the um, Force 5 Jitada, but there's a little chunk that just started pulling. And the Goth Bonsai, what I did not mention is that there's a tiny piece just started the just, just turned purple again and green pubs started popping out. I'm like, oh, interesting. Looks like something survived. So we'll hold course. We'll see how the 135 turns out. Um, but yeah, but 135. I think the next step would be to. I was debating whether I want to add more SPS back to it because now I had to wait at least like a year and a half or two years ago, uh, two years later, to come back on here and be like, hey, try and return, keep it back with the uh, SPS tank. Well, dude, I'll uh, you know when you're ready, I'll hook you up because you're you know you're reefers code, right? That's where we're gonna be. Oh. You're gonna you're gonna be sending me a par meter. I'm gonna be sending you some frags. So. No money Jim, exchange hands. No money will Jim, exchange hands. Jim was looking at me before. I was like, purple monster, purple monster, <laughs> purple monster. No, we're not going to strong arm you, but I appreciate it. Yeah, that uh, I, I just need to keep growing that sucker. That um, yep. I've, I've been literally that. growing that thing for like six years, and it's like three and a half inches, four inches. I mean, it's crazy. And I, I used I, you know, I used to have that uh, coral in, in my other tank years ago in Connecticut, and it grew like, it really, like, grew like a weed for me. But uh, I don't know. Can you can you tell me a little bit more about that coral? I'm kind of curious because there's like an OG purple monster. I think in the past you mentioned there are some that look similar, but not quite. So, you know, uh, so there's a um, – it was collected originally in the Solomon Islands. And um, there's a whole story behind it. And I think I've got a link in a blog post to the, uh, to the story behind the collection of the, um, the original Tyree purple monster. And um, – I'm not sure how Steve's name got attached to it. I guess he uh, he might have been the first one that um, brought it in from the Solomon Islands, and that that's why um, it's Steve's uh, name is attached to it. But I do know. Go ahead. I was gonna say it sounds like it's gonna be a long story. You can definitely you have a blog post. Just share it in yeah, comments. Yeah. I would love to check it out. But my question it's really in terms of looking at the coral. How can you tell? Whether it is that one or like I think a, a, um, a telltale sign is that there uh, there should be some white polyps, you know, at at at, um, at some point in the uh, the coral. So Jake Adams, they went on an expedition with um, it was with Triton, and I think with Unique Corals to go try in search of the um, the original Tyree Purple Monster, and they went on a uh, on a collecting uh, expedition in the uh, Solomon Islands. And uh, they did find something that they believe was um, very, very close to the original Tyree Purple Monster. And, and really the only way to tell would be DNA, DNA testing. Oh, wow. So, um, so that, that coral did make its way into the hobby, I believe, 
and um, might have been circulating around. So, you know, I, I guess there's, it's not a definitive OG Tyree Purple Monster. And uh, I don't know what the differences would be potentially with that versus the one that was originally um, brought in by um, uh, that, that came through uh, Steve's uh, uh, place. But so, yeah, and, and, and I think there were some other really cool um, corals that were collected as well. And there might have been like a blue monster. So it's really cool, you know, and, and um, that's, uh, you know, I guess another thing in terms of the um, what we'll miss about Jake is is those stories about, uh, you know, the, the coral collection and, and all these uh, awesome um, pieces that were uh, that that he brought to light in the hobby through uh, Reef Builder. So hopefully somebody else will carry that uh, torch. I know Chris Meckley is is doing um, everything in his power to carry on Jake's uh, legacy in that same vein. So I hope uh, I hope he he um, continues to do that. And I hope others out there do uh, do the same thing. I think as a hobbyist, I'm not speaking as a content creator, but as a hobbyist, I really miss Jake because I feel like he is the one that is not afraid to call people out, mm. regardless of who it is. Yeah. He's, he speaks bluntly. And that's something I really respect because maybe it has to do with my, the way uh, my culture is raised up. We avoid confrontation mm. badly. So when I see people who's not afraid to voice their opinion, which there, there are a few. Shows a, I have a lot of respect for. Like even even like uh, I'm just trying to think of like like Rico, right? He has a strong opinion, whether it's right or wrong. But I respect the fact that he's willing to stand his ground and speak what is mine. You know, same thing with Jake. And for Jake, he has knowledge to back it up as well. Yeah. So it's not just being blunt, but he actually has backings to it. And I am. I w I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared what's going to happen with him gone. So I really hope, like you say, somebody can, nobody can replace him. No. But at least uh, a few, yeah, can come out and just step up. Yeah, for sure. All right, dude. Well, listen, I know um, you got a family and whatnot, and, and um, you, uh, you, uh, we, we could probably chat all night long here, but um, I'd love to have you back on again, Moki, uh, down, the, uh, down the line. And hopefully we could uh, run into each other at uh, Reef Palooza, New, New York. York. Yeah, we'd we'll love to. I know we missed each other last time, but hopefully this time we can uh, catch up. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, listen, thanks so much, uh, Moke. I really appreciate it. I also uh, want to thank the uh, sponsors for the program, both Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. I also want to thank all you folks out there for tuning in and contributing to the chat. Some great comments and, and questions. also want to give a big thank you to Paul, the moderator, who's also the president of the Boston Reefer Society. Please join and support your local reefing clubs they are so important to this hobby. Um, I also want to let you know a little episodes of Rap on the Reef Bum are available as podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon. My next Rap on the Reef Bum live stream will be next Thursday, May 4th at 7 p.m. with a buddy of yours there, Moki, Jim Graham, Telegram. Uh, and, and feel free, Moki, uh, as was the case the last time I had Jim on, if you want to get into a, uh, a little super chat war with, uh, with Remy, by all oh, means. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you say May 4th? May the 4th be with you? Yeah. May the 4th be with you? Oh, that's a good day for it. There you go. So uh, I'm sure that'll be another great show with uh, with Jim. That'll be awesome. If you want to check out the full upcoming schedule of guests, visit reefbum.com under the YouTube section. So until then, be safe and be well, and we will see you next time.